welcome to Deserted with Lindy and Grace. On this podcast, we ask our guests what dishes they would take to our deserted island and the stories behind them. We all have dishes that transport us back to a moment in our lives. Food can leave a lasting impact and we want to know what those dishes are to you. Our mission is to shine a positive light on food and show how the power of a dish can shape a person. So join us whilst we dive in deep to our guests' experiences and find out what they'll be eating on our deserted island. Hi foodies, it's Lindy. I just wanted to put a disclaimer before we get into the episode. Along with discussing yummy food that our guest has brought to the island this week, we also talk about eating disorders, disordered eating and anything else that goes along with it. We talk about it from our own personal experiences and we are not giving any advice. As we talk about in the episode, if you are dealing with this, please seek professional help. And if these topics are triggering for you, refrain from listening to it and maybe come back to it when you are further along in your journey. Thank you so much for all of the support and I hope that you enjoy episode three of Deserted with Lindy and Grace. I was going to say it's been a busy week, but I'm going to change it because I had this um, book club and we're choosing to change the way that we say things like the words matter. So I'm going to say I've been really in demand this week and (laughs) had a lot of stuff on my plate and I'm very grateful for it. But that is the reality (laughs) of my life at the minute, (laughs) but exciting stuff. So I love that. I love that. Just change the narrative. It's amazing what the tweak of a word can do. Some people yeah. say I'm so busy. It's like mm-hmm. they're saying it because <laughs> because they're thinking that like they're the only ones that are busy. Yeah, we're all busy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Even during lockdown, I feel like we're all busy. Yeah, and I just don't want... Um, I can say I'm busy and that's true, like everybody is, but also like busy has this like connotation of saying that like you're ungrateful a little bit and like I don't want to say I'm not grateful like I'm choosing to be busy like I'm choosing to like fill my days with constant work yeah so I'm grateful so I'm in demand and I'm loving it that's amazing I think for me I'm I'm true I need to make sure that I'm not filling my time with things that I don't want to be busy doing Oh yeah, for sure. Sometimes for me, that takes a little bit because I like to say yes to everything and I like to do a lot of things, but sometimes I need to like take a step back and realize, you know, actually I don't need to be doing this right now. The the should, I always get tripped up on the should, like, oh, I should be doing this. And it's only in the past couple months, honestly, since lockdown, I feel like when I've been able to turn in words and sort of question what I'm doing, that I'm like, actually, no, I, I don't. I, I sh- don't need to should be doing something yeah like I had to remember to prioritize like studying because yeah. that's what I'm expected to study and I'm expected to pass my course and I'm expected to in three years graduate right and no one's expecting me to write a blog no one's expecting me to post on Instagram no one's expecting me to bake today And so I need to remember to prioritize the things that are super necessary that I have to do. And then after, if I have the time, I can do the things that fill my cup. So yeah, yeah, like I have to remember that because sometimes I procrastinate with things that I want to do, but it doesn't need to be done. Yeah, completely. And And sometimes we have to do the things that we don't necessarily want to do 
put in the work right now yeah. so then it pays off later exactly exactly I gave up caffeine um in May cool. and so now I don't I don't even have green tea I don't even have chocolate I don't have anything like that when I find myself kind of getting into a slump midday um the only way really to wake me up is either to one take a super cold shower which I would not pick the second one which is what I do is go on a little walk just get outside and it just just getting outside and moving around it's actually funny like you don't really you don't need caffeine um it's it's a mental trick yeah I I went off of it two weeks uh, a couple months ago just to try because yeah I used to drink a lot of caffeine and then I was on one cup a day but I just wanted to figure out what it would be like for me not to drink and it was fine I had like a headache the first day and then I was yeah but um what I the thing is like I like the routine of coffee like Mm -hmm. I like having that warm drink when I'm going on my morning walk and then having a coffee I'm drinking coffee now like having a coffee but I have two a day and I stop at like 10 o'clock you just replaced it with either a cup of like warm oat milk or a cup of warm tea and it's just that is now it's in my routine do you want to talk about what we're gonna bring to the island this week yes I definitely do I have an exciting one um on Halloween my best friend and I made a Halloween themed kind of meal um and obviously this was the day before lockdown so it was just um me her and her boyfriend and so we've kind of been in this little support bubble this whole time anyway but we made um sort of a, a skeleton out of so the butternut squash, roasted butternut squash was the head. We'd cut out a little face and then ribs, like short ribs as the actual oh kind God. of body. But the, what I want to bring to the island is the vegan ribs that we made. And we made them with oyster, like those thick oyster mushrooms. And we cut them up and then marinated them in sort of a rib wow. and then roasted them. And then kind of, we roasted them Um, or baked them and then took them and kind of grilled them a bit so they had that char on the outside just like a rib honestly you couldn't tell the difference it was in taste or in look uh in both oh wow both the taste definitely you couldn't tell the only thing is the consistency because obviously ribs can be kind of more chewy um so that was the only thing but I'll have to write down the recipe and send it to you and maybe post it. Um, Yeah. Did you take a photo? Yeah. Okay, great. What are you going to bring? So I, I'm bringing quinoa. I have been obsessed with quinoa this week um, because I forgot, I keep, I can't find oats, like the oats that I use. So I've got quinoa from Ireland that I have here. And I thought I'll just use quinoa instead of oats. And it's so good. It's like almost a little bit crunchy. Wait, no way. You put it in the microwave? Yeah, so it's like, I just make it like oats. Like oatmeal. That's a game changer. Yeah, sometimes I put it with oat flour. Ooh. Mix it with oat flour, so it's a little bit more creamy. Mm. But it's incredible. And, or I just steam it and put it with like salmon in the afternoon or something. Like I'm just using that as like my carb source. And like you can even just like make it in your granola as well it's it's so versatile like oats Mm. and I love it yeah I've just been really enjoying it so I'm a big quinoa 
person, but the only thing that I'm ever hesitant to make quinoa is when I'm lazy because sometimes it's just kind of a pain to do in the pot. But now that I've learned in the microwave and it softens, but there's also a little crunch. Love that. And you also could just um, dry fry it with a little bit of like oil and it would just be crunchy. Amazing. Well, I'm so excited about this episode this week. Yeah, Bianca. I was thinking about our conversation for like a couple days after and I know we talked a lot about meditation and sort of self-care and you know our routine and self-love and I don't know it just stayed with me a few days after. It got super deep like really really deep but also what what I loved about Bianca and this is the first time I ever met her talked to her and she goes deep but on a light level. Yeah yeah and I think like obviously as we know you know you're it's never you're never really like truly healed but when you go through the whole journey you have that perspective which is something that we talked about kind of looking back and just acknowledging um kind of that was what happened but we're different people now than we were then and we know different things and we have you know learned about ourselves through this process and um she took a really holistic approach and um to her healing which um, I definitely related to and just was inspired by hearing her talk about it and everything that she's gone through. Just her level of openness and honesty, especially like on a podcast, some people don't want to be that honest and don't want to be that open. And I think the fact that she is, that's, you can tell her healing journey because of it. You know, especially the kind of takeaway of we have the power to change our thoughts and sort of you know our intuition and asking our intuition questions um and also what we were talking about earlier about you know not having to be productive 100 percent of the time and how food can sort of help um act as meditation especially part in the healing um journey it was a great episode and i'm really grateful that bianca came on and shared with us her life really um yeah so I hope that you're gonna enjoy it um let us know what you think we're gonna tag Bianca's Instagram in the description and um yeah enjoy we'll see you on the other side side. (laughs) bye oh my gosh hi guys this is so exciting we're very excited as well we were just like having a chat being like oh my god let's go <laughs> we're ready to talk about food for those of you who don't know Bianca um do you want to give a little bit about yourself like who are you do you have any allergies any food intolerances um yeah where are you from <laughs> and yeah um, yeah just, yeah tell us tell us it all it's- better to start from the beginning, right? So I was born in Singapore. I grew up there um, throughout most of my childhood. And then I did a couple of years at boarding school here in the UK. Um, And then after that, I moved to California in uh, the States, which is where I met Grace. And we were both studying at UCLA. Um, And actually we we both, we had some, we had some classes together, I think, because we both did an entrepreneurship minor, but I was majoring in um, communications. And then, yeah, after I, after I left the States, I moved back to London, started working in tech, and that's what I'm doing still now. But I did have um, kind of a brief intermission, um, kind of 2019, I would say. Most of that year I actually spent back at home in Asia, um, where my parents still live. And I was on medical leave, and I was getting some support for an autoimmune disease that I have. 
Um, and I was diagnosed with that in May 2019. It's called Addison's and it affects your uh, cortisol levels. It's also called like primary adrenal insufficiency. So because it is so, um, it's basically all about like, you know, your, your adrenal glands and how they're functioning and your body's response to stress. So as a result of kind of that, like learning that I, you know, learning that I developed that, I think I definitely um, have been a lot more thoughtful and conscious about, you know, my food and, and that, my diet, I think, since, since, um, since realizing that, because I, I, I am a firm, you know, believer of, you know, food is medicine. I, I, I do believe that. Um, and so now I um, don't have any strict allergies. I don't have gluten or dairy, really. Um, or soy as well sometimes if I'm feeling, you know, particularly sensitive. But yeah, gluten is kind of the big, the big no-no for me. It's weird. Gluten is just such an inflammatory food. Like, Lindy, you, you're fine with gluten, right? Yeah. Yeah. But I, I eat it and I, if I've already been putting stuff that's like not great from, you know, my body into me and then I have like a little bit of gluten it just sends everything over the top and it just I mean sometimes it's worth it like what are you gonna do you know every now and again you have to live a little um absolutely and Grace actually you really helped me with that a while ago we had a conversation and I, you know I'm, I'm very new to this like very new to the world of like you know really being careful about what you're eating um and I remember we had a conversation like it must have been December last year so quite a while ago now actually almost a year ago now in London and I, I still, I remember it so vividly, you saying like, you know, sometimes you, you, you're gonna have like a little bit of gluten or a little bit of dairy and like, you just need to embrace that, you know? And I, ever since then, those, those words have really stuck with me. And I think it's completely changed. Cause I think, you know, not, not to jump into it or get too heavy too soon, but I think a lot of, um, you know, not being able to eat certain things like is, you know, I'm, and I'm sure you both kind of experience this more so with allergies, but it, I, I do find it can be a little bit, you know, like sh shame producing um, in the sense of like, you know, I, I, I sort of used to beat myself up a bit if I had anything with gluten in it or if I slipped up and, you know, sort of stuff like that. Like, I think you just kind of get sucked into this, uh, you know, self-pity self party almost, or you, I, I just used to feel really bad about it. Thanks. But it's, it's interesting because, you know, both Lindy and I have super severe allergies, right? So we have these foods that are sort of life or death for us. Um, but then we also have, I, like, or at least for me, I do have intolerances. And, you know, you see it a lot too with like your autoimmune um, disorder and just other people who for like lifestyle choices have chosen to like cut out um, you know, dairy or gluten. And then you see people getting so sort of ashamed if they, you know, let themselves have like a piece of bread at dinner, yeah. even if they've cut out gluten. And you just see that shame around it where, you know, if you are cutting out a food group, you know, it is a privilege to be able to do that. Yeah. Uh, and also wow. you don't want to do that to your body by kind of stripping it out completely because then you actually, you know, you can develop a more intense intolerance and also it's just not great mentally um it can be really mentally straining we used to say well you it has to be something that you have to stay with forever like if you if you're gonna diet then this diet needs to be what you're gonna stay with forever mm -hmm. but now because i've had you know i'm older and because we get to hear so much about diet and how things change we change we evolve and our diets change our diets evolve 
And so we don't have to stick to the same diet forever. So if you want to cut out gluten at this point in your life, you don't have to do it for the rest of your life. But Mm -hmm. if you want to at this time to see whether, like I have cut out gluten before, I've cut out dairy because I was trying to figure out if that was causing my bloating if that was causing my skin issues. And so that didn't mean that like I had to stay that way forever. And now I've implemented dairy back into my life. I had, I eat gluten, but I had to, I had to make sure like what's happening in my body. And we don't have to stick to the same thing every time, like for the rest of our lives. Yeah. Yeah. I really hear that. I think this is a perfect segue. You'd love to share the first dish that you're going to bring us. First of all, guys, I'm very excited that we're going to an island. I know. <laughs> in, in our dreams. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, and I would take with me if I were stranded, for sure, would be like really incredible cut of salmon sashimi. I'm, uh, it's, it's actually funny. I, it's funny that you were just mentioning, Lindy, about having self-compassion and like being really flexible with, you know, your food and your diet and being like aware that it's going to change over the years because I um, went kind of pretty intensely vegan for um, last year as well, like while I was trying to figure out what was working for me and what wasn't. And that was more ethical than, than anything at the time. Um, but I, I have to just come clean and say now, like, uh, there is no way that I would not be bringing salmon sashimi with me. I'm, a, I'm obsessed with it. And, and I think the reason for that is because, um, you know, growing up in Singapore it is such a beautiful and such a multicultural city. Um, and we were also very fortunate and, you know, got to travel all around Asia, spend a lot of time in Japan, um, where I learned to ski. And I just think that that dish, like, you know, is objectively delicious, but also like really has those connotations of, you know, how I grew up, like my, some of my earliest memories and my strongest memories would probably be, you know, going to, um, there's a restaurant in Singapore called Sushi Tei and it's like, you know, sushi on a conveyor belt. And just me and all my friends, like, spending all of our time, basically, after school, like, at this sushi belt conveyor belt thing. And it was just delicious and, I think, so, you know, connotative to me. So that's that's dish number one for sure. I love that. I, um, I don't eat sushi now um, because I have um, – I'm anaphylactic to sesame. But mm. when I was younger um, and I was in California, um, we had a sushi place, like, by my – house and my mom used to go and ask them please can you make um my daughter a whole salmon platter because that was the only thing I just wanted rice and salmon Um, and so they would clean their whole kitchen from top to bottom and eliminate all of the sesame and then make me like literally a whole tray of salmon to last me for a few days and she'd bring it back and that was kind of like my bi-weekly treat and the th- like it's so crazy <laughs> because I would never ask now. That's such a special yeah, story yeah. And, and your mom is a, obviously a very special woman to be able to, <laughs> to go that extra mile for you. Japanese cuisine is my favorite cuisine yeah, yeah. hands down um, but sushi I could eat every single day twice a day and not get tired of it I swear like it's just it's just for me, it's comfort food for me. And like, because it's safe for my allergies, right? I I don't feel nervous um, there. Although now they, you know, I don't know why they put cream cheese in some of those salmon ones which <laughs> me out, and for many different reasons, but um, um, I do, you know, live or die sushi. I love it. And it's just, it's nice too, because like I grew up in Asia as well in Hong Kong and 
I actually didn't really eat that much sushi when I was there, but that's, I think, because we just didn't go out to eat that much because there was less known about allergies when I was younger and everything in Hong Kong. And, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. but it's interesting kind of moving from Asia to like a Western culture, um, in the States and kind of in a way it does feel familiar like those flavors just kind of remind me of like my childhood a bit like the sesame and the soy um yeah. and I'm, Bianca I'm not sure if you um kind of have any experience with that too like when you sort of moved from kind of eastern culture to um the UK what what that was like how that kind of changed your relationship with food or what that was like for wow. you yeah I mean let's 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 get into it like this is the nitty-gritty right like this is where the gold is um as my therapist says so yeah let's let's dive into it so um it's so funny now because only now that I've you know spent a lot of time reflecting and you know working with therapists and and kind of figuring myself out I guess like only now do I realize what uh what a massive impact um, moving to the UK had on my relationship with food. And I don't mean suddenly I started eating fish and chips. Like, that's not what I mean at all. You know, um, I, I moved and I think um, the first thing I'll th- say about it is, is the transition was far more difficult than I could ever, ever, ever have, have expected or thought it would be. I think for me, um, I'm half Asian, half English and, you know, it, moving to a predominantly like, you know, very predominantly white town and a very predominantly white boarding school as well. Um, that I think that kind of played a part in it there. And I just, I just remember feeling so other, like, and so different and not in a, not in a like, oh, I'm special way. To, I, you know, I, I think at that age, really all I wanted was kind of to fit in. And, and that just wasn't an option for me when I moved, or at least I didn't feel that it was that way. Um, and I think as well, you know, it's, it's not all social, like definitely parts of it too, we're adjusting from going from this, you know, tropical paradise and like 28 degrees every single day to, you know, English weather, that was pretty hard as well. Like I definitely, definitely struggled with seasonal effective stuff and, you know, that sort of thing. It was all quite, you know, it was, it was all too much for me. And I think when I was in Singapore, I grew up eating real healthy. My mom cooked healthy, I lived at home um, and I never really, I, you know, I never really thought about eating as a, as a child growing up, growing up in Asia, like I just ate when I was hungry and I stopped, but food was really the only aspect in my life that I could control, like when I moved to boarding school and I actually developed, um, I'm so grateful to be talking about it and to be able to talk about it, but I don't think a lot of people, some of my best friends in the world, you know, people who I've known for 10, 15, 20 years, like some of them don't know that while I was at boarding school, I developed pretty severe bulimia. Um, and this actually is, this is a nice segue into dish number two. I was going to say, I think, you know, I think dish number two for me would be a Domino's extra large pepperoni pizza. And that's not necessarily because that's what I would want to, to eat now today, but I think it, you know, really has taught me a lot about who I am when I reflect on that time in my life. And that was something that I was really, that was a dish that I was eating honestly weekly. Once a week, we're allowed to order in food and we all order Domino's and, you know, I would just go way too hard on this pizza. Like there's, there's, there's eating pizza and there's loving pizza. And then there's like eating, you know, just, mm-hmm. just binge eating pizza. It was, or, or really everything. Um, and it, yeah, it was a tough time. And I think um, it's taken me a lot 
a lot, a lot of years to like really unpack that or to even really think about it. And I think um, just to note there as well that, I'm, it, you know, that kind of followed me all throughout, um, the, you know, the, the, the following years of my life as well. Um, and it was not, I, I won't say exacerbated, but it was definitely still prevalent when I was living in LA. And even, you know, my first probably year or so here, I was still struggling with that. But I, I just remember some of the day that, you know, things switched. And I think I, I really started taking the time to like self-reflect and, and wonder who I was as a person and try and heal myself in many different regards. And, 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 I, and I'm happy to say that now I, I'm, you know, I have a great relationship with food um, and I, I, you know, I see it as joy and, and sustenance and nourishment in medicine. And I, it's not, uh, it's not kind of a, a control mechanism for me anymore, but it was, I think, when, when I was making that transition. At what age, Bianca, did you move from Asia to the UK? I was 15. Well, yeah, I was 15. So I spent two years there. Yeah, I, I moved from Switzerland to the States at 16. Mm. And wow. that, like, that was a sh- culture shock for me as well. I then retreated and I had like American food and portions and I had already had had relationship with food as a kid because of my allergies and the only thing I was able to eat was stuff that was processed and I never cooked for myself and I had lots of nannies and they would just let me do whatever I wanted to do I completely understand I was saying to Grace earlier that like my the food that I get triggered by so much is a Papa John's like oh my gosh what what a similarity yeah, like I get super triggered and like like I love pizza now like I still I eat pizza like you know I've still I still do it like weekly that, that story is like I can really relate to that and really relate to how you felt and it's so interesting because I used to believe that it was all about my allergies right you saying that and like you know that being like the racial part moving to different countries being so um you know, being so in control of food, but then really out of control with food. Mm. Like it, it's so interesting that you don't have allergies and you still felt that way. I'm not the only one that feels this way. And it's not because of my allergies. It's because of who I am and my experiences. So like, thank you for sharing that because that's really important. And we most like in our community, in the allergy community, we don't talk about really um, eating disorders or disordered eating yeah. because we have a lot of issues mm. around food. And so we don't want to talk about that and we don't want to talk about nutrition and I think it's just really important to like shine a light on how Mm. food food is amazing it's true but it does sometimes have a negative connotation to it like I've realized that food is not the issue for me it's what Mm -hmm. I think about food is the issue yeah and it's it's interesting because it's kind of it's pretty spectacular that we all all three of us have such a kind of similar background and moving all over and the one thing that you can control is food and it's not I mean I look I can see that now we can look at that now and it's not really our fault right like we moved and Mm. we we did what we we did what we did to get by in the only way that we knew how really in that time um because you know you're just it's hard moving it's a big transition and like oftentimes we're like oh yeah we'll move it'll be fine and then the aftermath is kind of you know it's like that slow build-up of you know the little things that kind of become a habit 
of, you know, making you feel better about the situation that you're in. And like, now we all are so fortunate that we're able to like look back and go and just, you know, you grow and you learn different ways to deal with it. You know, like the, the ways that we used to deal with things don't have to be the ways that we deal with them now. You know, like what you were saying earlier, like we grow and we evolve and it's just, it's pretty beautiful, mm-hmm. really. It is. And, and Bianca, you just said like um, before that now your relationship with food has changed and you feel more in, I don't want to say in control because that's sometimes what gets us out of control, thinking that we're in control of everything. But um, like the, that you've changed your relationship with food and there's more, I guess, would you say balance to it? Absolutely. I think that's a perfect word what has shifted in that change like having that balance and having that clarity I guess with being able to say I can have a little bit of this and it's okay you know how is that process for you this no this is such an important question and I, and I just want to you know I just want to thank you both as well before I forget later I just think that the work that you're doing and what you're trying to achieve especially through this platform and this podcast I just think it's so important I you know Lindy you said earlier that um and I wasn't aware of this, but you know, you, you kind of touched on how in the allergy community, because I think there are, there are obviously so many, um, so many sort of, there's so much to unpack around food as it is. I didn't realize that as a result, maybe you guys don't get to talk about things like disordered eating or, you know, kind of what we're touching on today. And I, I had no idea. I'd never thought of that. But, but what I do think about really often is that, you know, if in, in a way, you know, you, it's depicted in movies and you kind of see magazine articles about it. And now, of course, there are like, you know, like influencers on Instagram whose whole platform is about like, you know, body acceptance and body positivity, etc. Right. But to, in, in my day to day life with my day to day people that I surround myself with, you know, we don't really talk about this. And but the thing is, I think when you do have disordered eating, like, there is nothing to, that will stop you from hiding it or lying about it. If you don't want people to know, they won't know. I don't speak for anyone else, but I just like manipulated my way in and out of every single situation that had to do with my disordered eating because I didn't want anyone to know, you know, including my parents. Like I just didn't want anyone to know. And I think it has been a, a 10 year journey. I would, I would say from 15 to maybe 24, yeah, or, you know, 23, 24. I struggled with it pretty bad and you know it's peaks and troughs and some 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 weeks or some days or some years it would be worse or better than other weeks days or years but it never really you know I never really stopped and I always thought of it like a superpower like it or a secret like it was just something that I thought that I was in control of and you know that's and just no one else knew about it and it was just something that I could do and I remember just thinking like, oh, it's, but it's different than regular disordered eating. Cause like, I'm, you know, I, 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 I'm choosing, I'm choosing this. Like I know how to do it. Like I'm doing it right. You know, you, you just kind of, it, it's, I think so much of it starts with like self-talk um, and realizing that I have a voice in my head that speaks to me is, is probably one of the most powerful realizations that I've had in, in a decade. And, you know, I think it re- a lot of it really starts with something as simple as like, I kind of remember the day I decided, like, I don't want to look in the mirror more and, and be like, and, and say, like, I look like a whale. Like, I don't want to say those words in my head. You know, I think that's something that's really changed in the last 10 years. And I think 
I, I have to give credit where credit's due as well and, and say that that real shift, like I think it really started with, I, I'm just going to say like professional help. Um, I never sought help for the eating disorder, but I did have, I, you know, I've, I've worked with therapists before, some better than others. Um, and that I, I think was a huge part in unlocking, um, you know, and, and really healing my relationship with myself and my relationship with food. And, and, I, and I just think it's so important to say that because it is not easy to do by yourself. Like really working around, you know, your your eating issues or even your 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 self talk really working around those really complex issues is not easy to do alone my whole life i thought that the disordered eating was about the external like the food mm. my body and the minute i decided like a few like last year actually that i was mm. like i think it's all i think it's me like i think that's the problem and i actually sought help for the disorder mm. and then suddenly this whole year I spent probably the majority of like this whole past year not like eating to my satisfaction right like, to, for me nothing changed like my body didn't change <laughs> my, my friends didn't change but the only thing that changed was that I wasn't scared of food anymore wow Honestly, I'm, I'm like sitting here speechless a bit, but not so powerful, you know, it, like, it's just a voice, just like, you know, you may give me advice one day and I either listen to it or I don't listen to it. It's the same with, um, with, with a voice in your head. It's, it's so true. And I, and I just think actually that this is something that like people are, most people, you know, never in their lives will really think about it critically, but a lot of people our age, especially right now, like uh, that was, I never thought once about the, the fact that I had a voice in my head that I, and I just listened to it. Like I over, I, I, I thought that voice in my head was me and it took my therapist, you know, really challenging that idea. And, you know, I, and I just, uh, just a note there as well on, on, you know, on how we talk to ourselves and what we listen to in our own heads is like, so much of that voice and so much of those different characters is how I like to think of them that, that pop up in my head you know, those, that's not, that's not me. Like those, that's not who I am. Like there are so, it's so much of it is internalization of other people's voices of other things that we've heard or picked up, whether that's, you know, from a movie or from a magazine or from that guy that you were dating one time, you know, I really sat down and thought about the things that I think in my head um, and, and where they came from. I, and I did this, you know, again, like with professional help and it was so eye opening. I think we should get to our third dish, Bianca. Um, yeah, I'm really excited to kind of like deep dive the, the happy, the happiness, right? Like too. And it's not all, it's all do doom and gloom. And, and I just, I think to me that is represented really well by an acai bowl. And I mean, an acai bowl, like the, with the works, I'm talking freaking <laughs> like coconut shreds, peanut butter, like and there's one there's a place in Los Angeles actually I used to go I have a friend who lives out in Malibu who's a, a dear friend of mine she's like a sister to me and I used to go and visit her a lot um and there's a place called Sun Life and they do this acai bowl which is an acai base obviously and then it's topped with cashew butter and um coconut meat like young coconut meat that's you know all sliced up all amazing and goji berries and bee pollen and honey I mean th th this bowl is like thirty dollars you know just incredible and I think that acai acai as well like uh, the reason I, I I'm picking that for my third dish is because 
my passion, I would say in life, something that I would love to do every single day is surfing. Like I love surfing and I love, you know, that being connected to nature in that specific way. And I love surfing culture and what it stands for. And it teaches me a lot about patience and tolerance and acceptance, you know, like if the ocean is having a shitty day, well, there's nothing that I can do about it. And, and it's, I, I, you know, that's really challenging for me because I like to control things normally, but it's, it's, you know, and, and things like it just, it just reminds me of um, Hawaii or Bali or, you know, doing yoga and then getting acai bowls. Like I just think that an acai bowl is such a perfect dish because it is delicious and you can enjoy, you know, like, and savor every single bite, but it's also so good for you. And, and not, and so good for you, of course, with like vitamins and nutrients and blah, 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 but also so good for you, like mentally, you know, you can't be sad and having a side. You just can't, it's just not possible. Your way of living now is to be more slow paced, to have more patience, to mm. like follow your passion and, you know, to fuel your life yeah, now, rather literally. than use the fuel to, um, like set yeah. yourself on fire, you know, that's, yeah, that's how you numb yourself. Yeah. yeah, the 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 acai is sort of kind of fueling your your body and your soul. You know, it's not one or the other. Mm. Kind of a, sometimes I feel like with you know foods that we foods like pizza and stuff, it's like oh that's good for the soul. But now you're choosing a food that's good for the soul and you know, well you know good for yourself as well. We ascribe meaning to to our to everything, but to our food, right? Like we we the way that we frame and you know our dialogue with it, it what it is that we're eating like i truly think has such a huge impact on our lives and and this goes way beyond people who have autoimmune issues or allergies or eating you know disordered eating like i i think even but i just think that everyone you know things we've just demonized uh, calories and we've like demonized, you know, fat. And I mean, it, there's just, there's so much morality, I think at play these days, especially with media, like with food and, you know, there is no, food is not inherently good or bad. Playing around with that balance of eating in a way that makes you happy and makes you feel good, whether that's pizza or a sigh, like really that's what it's all about. With that in mind, tell us about your number four, your fourth dish. Okay, amazing. So I think I'm gonna go with banana bread for dish number four. And the reason for that is because similar to how like a sigh symbolizes some of my passions, like baking to me is a form of therapy. Like I think cooking, you know, more generally can also be very, very uh, therapeutic, but baking is just, oh my gosh, like when I'm baking, I'm only thinking about my banana bread, you know, partially because banana bread is delicious, but also it's just so absorbing. And I just think that, you know, something that has really changed my life in the last year or so is this idea that like, we are, we do not have to be productive 100% of the time. And that's something that I think I grew up with. Um, that's an idea that I really like over attached to in my childhood, I think is like, you know, it, I let go of so many sports and hobbies and activities because, you know, it, I, I, I got to a point in my head where I would think, and I'd be like, I'm not going to do this professionally. So I'm going to stop. And I think I've, I've robbed myself of so much joy in that regard. 
Um, and, and the reason I, I want to go with banana bread and talk about baking is because something that's an approach that, to my life that has changed it for the better is like leaning into things that are, you know, doing things in almost like a meditative way. Like I truly think that you can be meditating while you're baking. Like I, and I know that sounds maybe silly in a sentence, but doing things for the heck of it, you know, like the, the like pleasure and, and joy and sensation and, you know, smelling banana bread when you're making, just, just really being present in something that you do. And that is something that I feel is really difficult these days, you know, because we have Instagram and we have like AirPods and it's, it can be really hard. And baking is just such a beautiful way of therapy. And it also is like um, an instant result because yeah. making something, you can smell what you're making. And then the minute it's done, you can eat it. And it's, yeah it takes time, it takes patience, but then when you, when it's finished, it's a, it's a pleasure. Like it spikes your endorphins, like you feel good and happy when eating it. And so it's, it's not a crazy thing to think it's a meditative state because it is. I love with baking too. It's almost like you have to, like, it's definitely a science, it's a proven science, but I think when it comes down to the timing of it all, it's a little bit gut based. Like, I don't know how to describe it to you guys, but you know, you know, it says 20 to 25 minutes on the recipe, right? Right. Only you're feeling like you go up to the oven and you kind of look at it and you're, you, you know, in your gut, whether it's done or not, I can't, I don't know if you guys both experience I, I completely that. hear that, Grace. That really resonates with me. Because every oven is different. Yeah. So what, and that's also, you can, you can um, put that to people, right? So every person is different. And so no one recipe is going to be the same for everyone. No one life is going to be the same for everyone. And it's true. And I, and I think, you know, life, it's, it's so funny how it's like a bit of a metaphor, like you're saying, Lindy, for, for, for life and, and for people. And everyone is made up of different ingredients. And a huge, huge, huge shift in, in, in my life and in my mindset is when I decided to listen to my intuition. I think disordered eating and, and actually, you know, uh, disordered eating among many other sort of issues that people can struggle with, like can really, really stamp out your connection to your gut and to yourself. I, I, I absolutely think that was one of the beyond, you know, like having disordered eating can like wreck you physically, but beyond that, something that was like almost irreparable and like almost too painful to bear. I think now that I look back was like feeling so out of touch with myself, like, and that's the magic of, you know, I mean, they call it intuitive eating today, right? Like that is the magic of like really taking a few like really deep, like belly breaths and just trying, like, I, I will sometimes ask and be like, Hey, like intuition, what, what, what do you like, do you have something to tell me? Like, what do you want? You know, like I, it, it, it sounds silly when I say it out loud like that, but I really, think of it as not a person in there but I, I really think that following your intuition you know is is such um is is one of the greatest gifts that you can give yourself we're having a human experience but we have a soul and that is what is driving us and sometimes we're in we're in the passenger seat and sometimes we're in the boot and when you're in the passenger seat yes. you feel as in out of control but when you feel all the bumpiness because you're in the boot, it feels scary. But when you can see okay. the road ahead of you, 
it's incredible. I, I don't want to cut you off, Lindsay, but, uh, Lindy, but I think we might have the same therapy. Like, I don't know if you've also <laughs> heard this story. I do, like, but if, honestly, if you haven't heard this, like, soul in the van story, it is uncanny that you just said that. Like, I have chills at the moment that you just said that. Because that no. story, like, I, I mean, I don't know if you know what I'm talking about, but that story and, like, thinking about it that way absolutely changed my life. No, I have never heard of that story. I just literally was thinking about it just now. Oh my god! Okay, <laughs> sorry. Like, actually, gee, have I told you this story? I think I'm. No. Oh my gosh. Okay. Like, I just really quickly. This, I just think this is so important. Even if we, yeah. if we cut it out or whatever. Like, I just, I just want to tell you guys. Thank you for listening to part one of Deserted with Bianca. Stay tuned for part two, releasing on January second. If you enjoyed this podcast, please follow, subscribe and review and tell us what you thought on Instagram at deserted underscore podcast. And we will see you next time on our deserted island.